This is episode 38 of Caucus Talk, your source for culture, history, and tourism in the North Caucasus mountains of Russia. My name's Andrew. My name is Eli. And we are two Americans who live in the North Caucasus and like it here. That's right. Uh, longtime listeners, um, hope you're doing well. Yep. If you're a first-time listener, which we know there are some out there. We know you're out there. We're talking to you. <laughs> Welcome. 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 Um, you, I, we have, uh, we're hearing from listeners on a monthly basis uh, from different countries um, and uh, who find us in different ways. Um, but Hey, Andrew, I want to ask yes. you, I want to ask you an update on our, our Facebook world. How's our Facebook yeah. community going? Hey, it's, it's going well. Yeah. We're doing, basically, there's, uh, we cannot, we do not have the capacity to release more than two podcasts a month, listeners. <laughs> and uh, we're doing our best to get those out. Uh, but so the Facebook page is really our attempts to connect with you and just continue to really provide a forum for the kind of positive news uh, yep. about this region, whether it's cultural or, I mean, stuff that's actually in the news about the land, mm -hmm. tour tourism, history, et cetera. And so it's pretty cool. We have a small little community growing, people from different countries um, getting some good engagement on our yeah, posts. And for sure. I, yeah, definitely check it out if you haven't yet. It's, I mean, we've, uh, just, we've been hearing from like diaspora communities even, like Circassians yeah. in Turkey or, you know, different places. That's really amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, so do check that out if you haven't yet. Uh, it's just Caucus Talk on Facebook. Yep. And uh, try to do three or four posts a week. Yeah. Um, keep the conversation going. So, so speaking yeah. of news in the caucuses, this is before. We, so we've got um, our next installment of In Their Own Words, which is our, yeah, it's our effort to give local peoples um, a voice to share their, like, who they are, where they're from, what they're about. It's just our chance to, like, yeah, get people in the studio. That's right. Yeah. Um, so that's coming up. But before that, there a little news minute that just came to mind that I kind of forgotten about. Um, okay. Because, you know, positive news is constantly coming out. This is positive news. <laughs> In Chechnya, a five-year-old performed within two hours over 4,100 push-ups. Yes. I saw <laughs> that. <laughs> he, he dedicated his, his effort. So 4,100 push-ups, or like 200. He dedicated his effort to the, um, what's his title? To the headman of Chechnya. President, president, yeah. The president of Chechnya, Ramzan Kadyrov. And as a response, Kadyrov gave the five-year-old a brand new Mercedes-Benz. That's amazing. <laughs> and it's true. Listen, if so, I know some of you out there right now are thinking to yourselves, were they, were they real push-ups? Did he go all the way down to the ground? But I'm here to tell you, I couldn't do 4,000 fake push-ups in two hours. <laughs> so who cares? That There's is amazing. A video. There's a video of this kid. He's on like the floor, and on the floor in front of him is a smartphone playing cartoons. And he's that like, is incredible. one at a time going down to the smartphone and there's a big clock going, timing it. Anyway, so 
Uh, maybe we'll put that in the notes. That is definitely news that you don't hear every day. That's amazing. Yeah. Do you think Do you think his parents normally like limit how much he watches every day? But that day they were like, as long as you do push-ups, you can watch. I mean, that would motivate my kids. <laughs> I mean, they would watch for about 37 seconds, but uh, they'd be watching. So That's awesome. What yeah. is that kid's name? Do you know? I don't remember. Okay. The yeah. Hulk. We'll have a link. We'll have a link. And there's a picture. Uh, I mean, the kid the is jacked. It's like, seriously. That's awesome. Yeah. So uh, in their own words, yeah. Uh, we, so, so far we've done uh, interviews with Circassians, oh, Dagestanis. Yeah. Yes. Ingush. Ingush. Um, Russians. Russians. Wow. Is that it? We've only done this four so far. It seems like so much more. Oh my goodness. We did we did a couple interviews with um Ingush. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. uh this is our next uh installment, right. this episode and the next, and then um many more in two thousand nineteen. Well, we've got dozens of people groups left. Yeah. Hey, hey uh, listen, so, before we get to this, so we interviewed folks from North Assetia. That's right. Or as they would say, North Assetia Alania which is really fascinating. Um, but I actually have some field notes from this past summer that I want to interject here before we get to our, our interview with uh, the local Ossetians. I mentioned this this summer. I don't you know if you remember, but I was in Asheville, North Carolina. And do you remember what the connection, why I, I went there to record? Sister City, baby. Sister City with yes. Vladikavkaz. I was actually just speaking with some Ashvillinians, and they knew that. They're like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're sister city. Like, they knew that. That is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> you, so, you would Ashvillinians yeah, know that. Yeah, they w- <laughs> you should, you know, if you're going <laughs> to. So Asheville is sister city with seven cities around the world, and one of them is Vladikavkaz. And so I reached out this summer when I was in Asheville to the head of the committee, and um, she is actually, she is... Uh, the wife of a late artist who's from Assetia. Her her late wow. husband was Assetian. And so I got a chance to interview her and ask her about the, what the sister city thing is all about and about her husband. So I've got this great short little interview to uh, wet awesome. our appetite. You got to move. You got to move. You got to move. Sitting in the city of Asheville, North Carolina, uh, actually just south of downtown in Biltmore Village. We're in a two-door style lodge building, which is the Village Wayside Bar and Grill. And I'm meeting with Constance, and Constance is on the committee for the Asheville Sister Cities, one of which, as you know, is our very own Vladikavkaz. Constance, welcome, and thank you so much for meeting with me. Thank you. It's my pleasure. So, um, I was amazed to find out that we had a North Caucasus sister city in Asheville. Um, I'm very interested to hear about it and how it got started. Maybe you can start off by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Who are you, what brings you to Asheville, and how did you get connected with the sister city? 
project? Absolutely, yes. Um, so I'm chair of the Vladikavkaz Committee of Asheville Sister Cities. We have um, seven different sister cities, but, but ours is the only one, Vladikavkaz is the only one in Russia. And um, it was a, our first sister city and was established in 1990. Wow. Uh, I believe officially the papers were signed in 1991. Um, originally it was a delegation uh, of citizens from Asheville who went down uh, in 1990 of, um, you know, just different people from different walks of life. Yeah. Uh, and originally it was started by two women, um, sort of leaders in each of the areas that met at a woman's conference. Um, I believe it was a conference, something like Bridges for Peace or one of these conferences oh, over the okay. years, um, kind of at the very end of the Soviet era as the... Um, you know, the the old regime is going away and all the changes right. this are happening. Right, right when everything fell and, exactly. and opened up. So was that the yes. impulse? I think that was the impetus of it. Um, these two like-minded women uh, locally here, it's uh, Catherine Boniski or Kitty Boniski, mm-hmm. um, who was, you know, in charge of the League of Women Voters and all, very active in general. Uh, as And then it was a Dr. Hitagurova in, from Vladikavkaz uh, who was a delegate from their committee um, or, or a delegate at this uh, conference, this worldwide international conference. And they were both looking for sister cities and came together under the idea that... Um, both of the cities have similarities, although Vladikavkaz is much larger than Asheville, but uh, they're both a tourism-based economy. Um, both of them have a, a big heritage of um, traditional uh, crafts, uh, fine art, um, medicine is, is big in both areas. So I think there were a lot of similarities. Uh, and of course, yeah, the, the citizens were very interested in each other at that time because of the area era in which it was. So tell me a little about the idea of sister cityhood. Mm-hmm. How does a person what is when a person's looking for a sister city, what is that? What's the hope or goal? Well, it was originally started under Eisenhower. Oh, to, okay, so you it's know, like an official absolutely government oh, yes. sponsored thing. Oh, yeah, it's um, okay. it is uh, their national offices are in Washington D.C. And so there are sister cities all over the United States um, and, you know, around the world, of course. Um, And I guess, you know, originally uh, the idea was to promote uh, citizen-to-citizen diplomacy. I'm sure sure there's a whole mission which I don't have memorized in my head. (laughs) Right, the statement. Yeah, it's a beautiful one, though, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, again, established under uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. So So just to interrupt mm -hmm. on that, is it... As far as you know, is it the intention for civilians to get together, or is it um, is there a, an official level of diplomacy involved? It's, it's both. So there always um, has to be a signing of agreements that we are going to officially be sister cities from the mayor of one city uh, in the States to the mayor of the international city. And then that's, um, I guess, all these proclamations are made, and then Sister Cities International somehow uh, makes a record of those. Um, and they do have an annual conference um, that's usually held somewhere in the States, for the, and, and uh, quite often delegates from other um, cities around the world will come to those as well. Wow. Um, and my interest started in that I'm always interested in things international. I was born abroad. I was born in Germany to American parents, uh, and I happened to be living in Russia. I actually studied uh, 
Russian in college and um, Interesting. Uh, international relations and all that. And as this was happening, um, this signing of the agreements with Ashwell and Vladikavkaz, I was actually living in Moscow. Uh, I didn't have a whole lot to do with the sister cities uh, at that point. I was right. starting out my career right after college sure. and uh, lived there for close to seven years. And so when I came back here, it just made sense that I... Uh, you know, I became involved in the committee, and it made sense that I eventually become chair when other people relinquished that seat. Well, I don't probably need to um, get an exhaustive uh, account from you, but I'd love to hear kind of the highlights of what this committee has done, you know, kind of bullet points maybe, or over the last, gosh, almost three decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like many sister cities organizations and committees, it's, there's an ebb and flow to it. So sometimes the committees are very, um, you know, very active. Lots sure. of things are happening. And sometimes things wane. Uh, it just right. It's a slowing down of, uh, since it's all citizen-based, um, there's no um, job uh, um, that anyone has through the city or anything like that. So it's all really just local citizens who are interested. So, of course, in the early 90s, when you had that big change of um, uh, basically a recreation of a whole new country um, and, and new system, there was a lot of interest. And, of course, there were so much outreach from Vladikavkaz and that whole area of people wanting to come here and learn and just um, spread their wings and travel. Um, since I've been yeah, tell uh, me about the chair, you've yeah. been involved in, or maybe mm-hmm. so. So we were very active in the um, mid two thousands, bringing in. Oh, actually, uh, I'd have to back up a bit. There was in two thousand four the Beslan School um, uh, Terrorist Act, I guess you'd call it. Yes. Um, we were the collection point in the United States for people who wanted to send, um, you know, all these different sister cities around the country wanted to send, you know, schools wanted to send cards to the children sure. and um, people wanted to send uh, donations and things like this. And so we did gather and made a trip. It was a small trip um, of a very tiny delegation, but we did vi- um, work with individual families who we went a year later in 2005, um, brought all these wonderful, you know, drawings and cards and all sorts of things um, and, and toys and whatever people wanted right. to gift. Right. Um, but as far as uh, we worked with uh, people there and uh, on the ground and found um, families who needed ongoing um, treatment or ongoing surgeries. Okay. Um, and so that's who we worked with and wow. donated individually to the families. So that's something really mm-hmm. cool. You. You as a committee, I mean, you set up something that is goodwill in nature, kind of broad in scope, and then you're available in a situation like that, you know, a horrible situation to be able to, you know, a line already exists. Because I think probably in a lot of situations like that, you know, a lot of the world is looking for a way to contribute. So would you say that that is something that the Sister City Connection is partly for, or was that more serendipitous? Like you just happened to no, have those connections. No, I think it's. I think it's definitely for that, and yeah. that's one of the strongest ways it can help, really, because yeah. that truly is citizen to citizen. That's um, really diplomacy and and friendship and sure. um, assistance. Sure. And but it all it doesn't always have to be assistance, and it doesn't have to be going only in one direction. Is for the sure. other thing. So since that time, we were able to obtain some grants and brought in two delegations to come here, and we decided. Um, there were different categories that we could invite under the grant disciplines, and so we decided um, 
teaching, uh, education, secondary schools, um, because quite often you know, you'll get business people that can travel and get these grants, you know, or medical folks and um, scientists and on and on. But you know, the teachers and specifically in the arts, we thought that was very important. Um, so we invited um, professors and uh, secondary school teachers uh, specializing in the arts. And so uh, in, I believe it was 2005, 2006, we had two delegations that came. They were from different disciplines. And um, we had, I think, a delegate, um, delegations of six and four people plus, you know, an interpreter. And uh, set up big programs for them here uh, to go and meet with um, counterparts and um, other, uh, you know, all sorts of things, learning how to do arts management and all different kinds of things. So there was a learning for them to take back home, but we also learn from them because there's a huge, um, you know, arts, uh, fine art and, and craft um, culture in Vladikavkaz in, in North Ossetia. So what, we learned a lot as well from them. What were some of the, some of the arts specifically? Like what kinds of crafts do they do? Um, well, I think just the regular, the the applied arts. So Prigladnoi Iskustva would call it the applied arts mm-hmm. that has you know s- centuries of traditions, like the the kinjal or mm-hmm. the sure. you know the the sword or scabbard, I guess, right. and the the sheath, which is um, done uh, usually carved with the niello uh, or gravura, right? The gra- engraving. Mm-hmm. I think that was a big thing. Of course, um, I'm wearing some of the jewelry right now, um, and see. which is of course. Uh, probably an easier way to distribute that art rather than swords and scabbards. And so things. I'm looking at these two mm-hmm. bracelets just to chime in. They're, they're, are they actually silver? They're silver colored. Mm-hmm. Sterling silver. And they've got um, kind of a, a repeating leaf um, pattern that's really beautiful and intricate. And it looks like it's etched and the etching is dark kind of in relief against the silver on the surface. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is a bit more swirly kind of a, more of a vine or yeah, floral. Really beautiful, a little asymmetrical, and mm-hmm. uh, very striking. And you'll find uh, this kind of jewelry on a lot of the women in, well, all over the world, but uh, certainly in the Caucasus, I would say, because it is a real uh, tradition there. On your website, I saw that we just missed uh, some event you did about uh, art in public, mm-hmm. or public art is what it was in Vladikavkaz mm-hmm. um, earlier it- this summer. Yeah, we, uh, you know, even if we don't have active um, projects going on between the cities, we still try to remind Asheville, um, you know, that we do have the sister city in Vladikavkaz. And so uh, we will do uh, different events here uh, for all interested parties. And we had a, it's actually a series of talks that we're doing for each of our sister cities. Um, and so I chose to do mine on public art okay. in, uh, because Asheville has a big public art um, um, program here. And Vladikavkaz, it's amazing. It's mostly sculptures there, but they are incredible from, you know, uh, very um, monumental style pieces from the World War, sure. World War II to um, uh, more modern ones that are about their literary figures, uh, just a huge variety. And so um, I think everyone was pretty bowled over when I showed them what a public art um, plan Vladikavkaz has. Did you attract a significant uh, or a satisfying 
audience for well the it talk. was it was small yeah. uh, we have a lot going on in our city here a lot uh, that yeah. I can vouch for exactly so um, you know I think it's people of course who are interested in that particular uh, part of the world mm-hmm. uh, or interested in speaking Russian or interested in the Caucasus in general that would come and we did supply some wonderful um, Caucasus style uh, appetizers so Ooh, now that so, sounds good where'd yeah. you get those did yeah. you make them I did not personally make them but a I can not that I can't but um, but uh, another member of our committee was kind enough to create some some things and here's the caveat the place where we had it it's all vegan so it had to be vegan which is really hard to do yeah. <laughs> and especially in thinking of Caucasus um, dishes however she really did a great job and of course it was it was sort of uh, pan Caucasus and Russian items and it what was were a couple, fabulous a couple Caucasus dishes oh let's see she did the the bakla the stuffed baklajan uh-huh. um, the you know the eggplants yep. um Oh, something with cucumbers. Uh-huh, she actually uh-huh. did aladi or the little, you know, blini pancakes. Um, right. I don't know how you can make it vegan, but she did, and they were fabulous. That sounds good. Oh yeah, and and of course in in Ossetia, North Ossetia, the uh, walibach or the um, the piragi, the Ossetian pies, okay, are the that's pan right. ultimate. It's and I have tried to make them. I'm not quite <laughs> yet, there yet, but uh, you know, call me up again probably, when uh, probably <laughs> when just need more oil. Show. No. Well, let me ask you a few more questions. Um, where's the committee going? What's next? And, and I also want to know, you mentioned the ebb and flow. Where's the committee these days? Is it an ebb? Is it a flow? Um, it, it's an ebb. It's definitely quieter now um, for, I think, different reasons. Um, one, I guess you get people who, well, uh, you get people who age out, of course. Uh, a, a lot of people, they're retirees um, who have the time. Uh, and or the money uh, who are in sister cities, which is great because it is hard for those of us who do have full-time jobs and families and such, and it really is hard to volunteer and find a lot of time to do things. So I think you have people who just um, age out a bit and have a little bit less interest in doing that, um, and then it's the idea of getting young folks in and interested right. in to have the time. Right. So fortunately right now we are seeing with our other sister cities uh, a really nice influx of young folks cool. uh, who are kind of excited about you know going to France and doing things with our French sister city or sure. our Greek one and so forth. So um, that's really what we're going after and that's why we have really nice connections with the folks who came to us who are these teachers uh, these art teachers years ago, they're now you know pretty well ensconced in their careers uh, as professional artists as well as teachers in Vladikavkaz. So we still stay in contact with them. In fact, we've had you know even ten years on, we had an exhibition of uh, two of the artists here in Asheville. That was a couple of years ago. That was another project we did. So. I think it's more on the side of Vladikavkaz. To be honest, um, I don't think a lot of people know that a sister city exists in Asheville because that happens too. You have a whole changeover in the um, near the mayorship and and in Vladikavkaz it's happened quite a few times. So you really have to... I, I would say that the next thing to do would be to send a small delegation over there, reestablish the contact, take a letter from our mayor, meet with the mayor there, have them sign it. Um, sure. You know, and yes. Refreshing the vows. Sort Ex- of. <laughs> exactly. Start things up again. And we did do that when we went in 2005. And we did meet so with the mayor. So you took a delegation. It was a very small delegation, but right. we did meet with the mayor. It was a big round table. Um, we were actually on, you know, on the news sure. for um, coming and sort of representing Asheville and the different sister cities um, 
Now, I have a bet riding on this, because Andrew was skeptical that anyone from Asheville had actually ever traveled to Vladikavkaz. Yeah. Oh, no. They were like, well, we've had two big delegations in the early 90s, You as would I have mentioned. to establish Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We had, All right. And the people are Hear still that, around. Andrew? <laughs> <laughs> we had architects. We had um, caterers and restaurateurs. I'm um, trying to think of all the people. Wow. Doctors. Oh, yeah. They're still around. For those who don't know Asheville, it is an eclectic place, and it is continuing to grow and I think the arts and um, cult- cultural it's like a front edge of cultural growth and expansion I would mm-hmm. say in the US yes. um, so that's neat that you found kind of a kindred city absolutely and tons of artists here and um, artists continually moving here and we do you know people come here because of the, the cultural right. arts cultural tourism right. actually it's called and that's I know in Vladikavkaz could completely be something yes. I think there's you know um, out what do you call it? Alpinism, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, hiking. I forget yeah. how you say it in Mountain English, but climbing or hiking. Mountaineering, or, sure. Yeah, mountaineering, I right. mean, you definitely have that there as well. But um, but in any case, the the other thing is that, of course, um, we've had lots of people from Asheville go to Vladikavkaz, but we've also had people in the reverse direction. We do have people who live here now from Vladikavkaz. Okay. A couple people who just came, you know, they met the delegations there. Um, one of them actually was my uh, late husband, Vadim Bora. Yeah, could you tell us about your personal connection a little bit? Sure. Well, you have um, an interesting story there. So um, he was 100% Ossetian. Uh, Vadim Borayev is how he was known there. Um, Bora, of course, is the the um, root of his Ossetian name. Uh, so he decided to. Um, uh, simplify it for being here, and uh, he unfortunately passed away in 2011. But he was very well known as a sculptor and painter here. I mean, he was already well known there. He came here when he was 39 and established a studio and a gallery, and actually has created um, six pieces of public art uh, sculpture here in Asheville. That's terrific. Can you yeah. just, just tell mm-hmm. some, us about him a little bit, or sure. what well, kind of sculpture is it? Yes, at the Children's Hospital here, um, there are. It's a 10-piece sculpture. Um, of animals and children in various, you know, bandages and, um, but running with their crutches and, you know, the dog might have a bandage on his paw. So it's a very uplifting uh, thing called On the Mend. Okay. Uh, And he's done a veterans memorial sculpture at the um, uh, VA Medical Center here. Uh, And uh, the most recent one was um, Cornelia Vanderbilt, uh, the daughter of George Vanderbilt uh, of the Ben, uh, the Biltmore estate here, sure. and her dog Cedric. So that's in a very public um, area on the estate there. All right. And he was commissioned by the family to do that. So that's a very strong personal connection with North Ossetia. It is, and yes. And we met here, though. We did not meet in Russia. Okay. Everyone thinks we met there, right, but we, yeah, met here um, over the years. So. That's yeah. pretty fascinating. And you still have family there. I do, yes. His uh, son and uh, his wife, who's American, uh, live there, and their son. And, uh, and of course, friends. Uh, we have friends there. So I'm hoping to do a trip back myself sometime soon. Um, not sure when that will be. Do you plan to continue on the committee? Ah, uh, I do. It's it, like I say, it's a small committee. Sometimes it, I feel like it's just me working by mm. myself. You hear that, committee um, <laughs> members? Pick up the slack. No, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, so uh, 
I mean, I think so because, of course, I have this personal connection um, mm. with Vladikavkaz, and uh, yes, I would like to continue. It's an amazing part of the world. It is amazing. I would just say, as a third party, for those listening who may be connected to the Sister City Committee, it is a worthwhile visit. Um, aside from a stunning city and incredibly historical, uh, rich historical context, the view is jaw-dropping. I mean, we got mountains here, but they got mountains. So I just encourage, uh, yeah, anyone to to make the trip. Well, Constance, we always end our interviews uh, by asking um, our interviewees if you could just share with the world one thing about the North Caucasus. What would you say? Ooh, well, let's see. Good word. Um, I think shedrist, which is. Hmm. Um, uh, generosity. Yes. Right? Yes. Yeah, I think generosity and the welcoming spirit is, is amazing. And uh, I would hope that we would uh, hear, you know, I hope that people who come to visit from there take back that kind of generosity and welcoming spirit as well, because it's really unparalleled. Thank you so much for your time. This has been great. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. So, what's really cool about that, Andrew? I mean, First of all, big thank you to Constance for uh, your time, and I hope yeah. that you hear this and you send it to all your Ossetian friends. Um, May it was this a real be delight. the the continuance and new beginning of an ever fourth blooming relationship between that Asheville, North Carolina, was and Vladikavkaz. Amazing, the continuance <laughs> of ever fourth blooming. So that is what we're after. Yes, um, but it's just. It's a small world, and there's so many connections, you know. Um, so, and I think, Andrew, you made a connection at the same time that I made this connection. This is crazy. So we actually recorded this interview in April, and I'm honestly, like, at that point, like, Eli and I did not know hardly anything about You're talking about North the Ossetia. interview we're about to about to play, which yeah, is sorry. which is with with local Ossetians. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we were like literally everything. We were blank slates, learning new things. <laughs> and since then, um, we've I've actually through my uh, tourism company have uh, been to Vladikavkaz for several days, and we've had several tourists go through the region. So I've been learning a lot more. Yeah. And we were down there in October. My wife and kids and I were. And we uh, were out on a Saturday night, like we went to this like kids attraction deal in, on, in downtown and meet this random guy who we're like buying the like entrance tickets from. And when he finds out we're from America, he's like, oh, yeah. Uh, do you know this American lady here in Vladikavkaz? She's married to an Ossetian guy. Right. Was- so Andrew tells me this and it turns <laughs> out. This is the son of Constance's late husband and his wife. Wow. And we actually haven't made the connection yet personally, no. have we? No. Like <laughs> this Yeah, well, that, our, our turnaround time with yet. these things. Yeah. <laughs> but but like it's such a small world here in the North Caucasus. Um And so we found that out within like weeks of like you heard that right around when I did this interview. I mean it's it's pretty weird. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so um, that was a good intro. The field notes, great job on that, Eli. And um, yeah, North Ossetia is right basically smack dab in the middle of the North Caucasus. It's right north of the country, Georgia. Um, 
And it's really unique and different from the other regions. Yeah, from everything else, for sure. Oh, uh, a note on this. Um, we had a glitch. Like, it's very strange, but the our, the mic that our our guests were on cut out for a couple minutes in the middle of recording. Yeah. And so there's going to be, we want to keep as much of their content in as we can. Because in order to make it sound really smooth, they'd have to cut out a, a chunk of what they said. Um, so, A, we apologize for that, but we're, there'll be kind of a weird little fade in the middle, so just bear with us. That's yeah. an accident, but we wanted to really uh, just, uh, let our friends uh, speak as much as they could. So Yeah, and it's at, the, it's at the beginning of um, kind of discussion about the Ossetian religion, which is really unique to that people. Yeah. So yeah. Um, we do think by the end of the conversation, though, everything will be pretty clear. So, yeah, agreed. Yeah. Sorry about that. All right. Without further ado, let's hear from the Assetians in their own words. Listeners, as always, I am super excited about today's guests. I, I would like to say that I'm also very excited about today's guests. I think this is the the nation, the people in the North Caucasus that I know the least about. So it's going to be a big learning curve for it's everybody. It's not hard for me. <laughs> You're at ground level there with yeah, everybody, I, huh? I can only go up. Cool. But we have representing the Assetian people today, specifically from North Assetia. Give it up for Zarina, Artur, and George. Woo! Welcome! Yeah. Thank you. All right. You're, you're welcome. So, George, actually, it's Georgi yeah, in Russian, Georgi. but we'll say George, um, King George. We'll call you King George. Oh, thanks. What yeah. are you going to call it's Arthur? King. Oh, we have King Arthur, though, with us. <laughs> and then Zarina. Folks, I'm just going to barge right on in here uh, because we are splitting this episode into two. We have such awesome material on both ends, both with our uh, initial interview with Constance and then also with this one getting underway. So just hang tight. We wanted to keep each episode a reasonable amount. We're going to lop this thing in half. And tune in in just the next one. Just keep listening, and we'll pick right back up where we left off. (laughs) 